As the functional approach to medicine continues to evolve, we are now witnessing the emergence of a powerful systems-orientated model capable of addressing the healthcare needs of the 21st century. In April 2016, Bioceuticals will be holding the fourth Bioceuticals Research Symposium to provide healthcare professionals with leading, cutting-edge research, highlighting the future of integrative and functional medicine. We've chosen the world's leading functional medicine experts to show you how they integrate the explosion of research with the latest in genetic science, nutrition and metabolic medicine. For more information, please visit the Bioceuticals website at bioceuticals.com.au. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. And joining me on the line today, all the way from the sunny Gold Coast, is Megan Bones, who began her foray into natural medicine when she was just 19. She was attracted because of a serious medical condition for which medicine struggles to maintain. Megan also started a charity to bring some happiness into the life of sick children and has attracted the attention of famous celebrities in this venture. And I'd love to welcome Megan to FX Medicine. How are you, Megan? Hi, Andrew. I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Now, Megan, you've got a bit of an interesting past. Tell us about what attracted you to natural medicine. Um, so I guess it all started back when I was about 16 in high school. Um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune disease which affects the digestive system. Um, and basically I was taking lots of medications, um, not getting any results, still in high school, doing my exams, um, having a pretty tough time. Um, and yeah, I was basically referred to a family friend's uh, naturopath. So I went and saw, didn't really know what it was about, um, gave it a go, drank some horrible tasting things and instantly felt better and noticed the effects within a few days. And just was opened up to a whole new world of healing, which is essentially what sparked the interest um, back then. So, um, yeah, I got into the degree um, probably about a year afterwards and never looked back. Tell me about your story, though, because you had a horrible time with your condition in the beginning, didn't you? I did. Quite, quite horrible. Um, so... It all, it's never really been controlled, my Crohn's disease, especially when I was younger. Um, I went overseas with a few friends back in 2012 to Asia, um, had an awesome time, wasn't feeling that great, but um, got back um, into Australia and wasn't feeling good, getting different sort of pains than I would normally get, which were my normal Crohn's pains. I know it sounds weird, but they were normal pains for me. Um, so I was getting, getting different pains and had that checked out, had an ultrasound done and um, they found a 10 by 10 centimetre tumour in my abdomen, which was very surprising to me at the time because I was mm. so tiny and I couldn't couldn't see where it was fitting in my tummy. I was so little. Mm. Um, so they, wasn't, they weren't really sure what type of tumour. They, and they actually diagnosed it as, as an ovarian cyst. 
Um, I had emergency surgery the next day, which removed the um, gigantic cyst from my abdomen. Um, they said it was it was quite bad. They literally had to peel it off the bowel. They'd never seen anything like it. It was pulling my large bowel, and it was just absolutely horrific. They said I, I lost my right ovary during that surgery as well, um, due to um, a blood blockage. So. Um, yeah, so they sewed me back up. I was not getting any better at all. Super, super sick, losing weight, um, nearly going into septic shock. My kidney started to fail. My liver started to fail. Um, I was given three blood transfusions and I, I somewhat stabilized. They sent me home and the um, surgical incision opened up probably about four days after my surgery. And lots and lots of disgusting gunk started oozing out of my surgical wound, which was quite frightening and blood everywhere. And it was just absolutely terrible. And I was freaking out and called my surgeon and he calmed me down and said, oh, no, it's it's just a staph infection. It's okay. It's okay. Like to be expected. Um, So basically I just had a wound that was just constantly draining this um weird-looking gunk, which I had absolutely no idea what it was. To be honest, I don't think the doctors really knew what it was either. Um, and then they still insisted it was a, like a staph infection. I was put on high-dose antibiotics um, until one night I was making some dinner for my dad and I and like a broccoli-type vegetable soup and um, had that for dinner. And about eight hours later, a little bit of broccoli come out of the, the wound at the front of my belly. So... Instantly knew that it was a yeah. Instantly knew it was a perforated bowel, and um, so it was actually quite lucky for you that it had almost sort of formed a fistula, which had um, sealed itself off. Instead of giving you peritonitis, it had um, you know leaked to the outside world, if you like. That's it, and um, so I was rushed to hospital. Doctors then diagnosed me with a perforated bowel which was actually what happened in the first place. Um, When I come back from Asia, my bowel had perforated. My body had created this cyst around the perforation to encapsulate the bowel content, um, essentially, so I didn't go into septic shock. Um, So that cyst was keeping me alive and the doctors removed it and sealed me back up and that's when it all went downhill pretty much. But um, You are a lucky lady. (laughs) Very lucky. Um, And... Yeah, got didn't get any better and basically went into hospital and they said, you know, normally we would do an emergency um, resection of the bowel in this case, um, but you are way too weak and you won't survive the surgery. Um, so basically I had to remain in that way for about uh, six, seven months um, until I could gain enough strength for another surgery, which meant having multiple infections, the wound still draining bowel contents for this entire time. Um, and in and out of hospital, intravenous antibiotics, just absolutely terrible. Um, got down to about 37 kilograms. Um, had to get around in a wheelchair. There wasn't much of me. Mm. And I remember those photos um, you shared. Yeah, <laughs> quite confronting mm, looking rather. back. Um, and then I had a nasal feeding tube put in 
to try and assist me to put on weight, which I wasn't too keen on, but at that stage I literally didn't have a choice. And um, I gained probably three kilos and they deemed that was the best I was going to get. So I had the surgery done. Um, They removed about 70 centimetres of large bowel um, and small bowel. And I was given an ileostomy bag. Um, which literally saved my life, to be honest. Um, yeah. I started gaining weight instantly. I felt so much better. Um, I was, it felt like I was given a whole new life. So it was quite. It was. It was amazing, to be honest. And I was dreading it very much. So to begin with, but looking back now, I literally wouldn't have been able to speak <laughs> with you today without it. So I'm quite grateful. So. During your hospital stay, you were on massive Mm -hmm. doses of uh, and chronic doses of antibiotics. Were they sort of teamed up with steroids at all to dampen inflammation? It's a real fine line that doctors have to tread there. But like, how did they stabilise you with the the inflammatory nature of your Crohn's? Basically, um, I was exactly that. I was on high dose steroids as well. Um, I, I wasn't on any medication at this time, which doctors thought was insane on my behalf. Um, but yeah, basically high dose prednisone. My face looked like a puff of fish, but I was skinny as anything. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was quite hectic actually. Looking back, um, so yeah. you recovered from the surgery, and then you just felt wow, this is just, I won't say the word cured, but you you had like a new lease on life. Then, oh, totally. I, then you're attracted to do natural medicine, right? Yeah. So I had the um, ileostomy bag for about six, seven months, um, gained probably close to 20-odd kilos during that time and had that reverse. Um, and, yeah, basically I was just, as you said, like given a new life, felt so amazing. Um, with yeah, continue with my degree um, studying natural medicine. So I'd, I'd already started my degree prior to this happening to me, mm-hmm. um, but I continued my degree after a long deferral, and um, yeah, continued to further my studies and put together the pieces of how how my body survived, really. Yeah. And let's talk about how you survived sort of and how you started to manage your condition with your diet because you learnt quite a lot rather quickly because of personal experience. What sort of things did you use? What? How did you learn to, uh, you know, avoid culprits of food? Were they yeah. ones in textbooks or, or were they ones of personal anecdote? Um, I did a lot of research. I mean, a lot of research with healing diets and what had worked for others. And um, I tried many, many different diets from, you know, the Gerson therapy to the specific carbohydrate diet, the FODMAP diet, elimination diet. And, you know, these things work for different people. However, I didn't really have full um, full health return to me with any of these diets. Um, the one that I follow now, I try to follow as strictly as possible. It's called the autoimmune protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's a take on the paleo diet, um, with some finer refinements. So I don't have any, um, like nuts or seeds, um, 
definitely no alcohol, no refined sugar. Um, grains are a big no-no on this diet, especially gluten, anything that contains gluten. Um, and to be honest, I'm feeling so amazing on this diet. It's not for everyone, but I've, I've, I feel like I've found what works for me. And, and have you got um, objective measurements of benefit for this sort of diet? Like your measurement of your CRP, for instance? My CRPs have come down quite drastically. Um, they were sitting up around the 130 mark when I was quite inflamed. Now they sit around the 13, 14, 15 mark. So oh. my doctors are very happy. Be, um, yeah. okay. So yeah. do they actually acknowledge your dietary uh, forays and say, listen, whatever you're doing? I know they probably wouldn't understand it. I get that. But do they acknowledge it and say, whatever you're doing, keep doing it? Or do they sort of say, oh, poo bar, can't be that? It's got to be not, our drugs. Yeah. Not not really, to be honest. Um, I am now on conventional medications as recommended by my specialists as well. Yep. So I'm using both um, conventional medicines and natural medicines to manage my condition, which they think it's all attributed to the medications, but I know deep down in my gut that it's definitely a combination uh -huh. of both. <laughs> So, so how would you argue that point though? Like, if they said, "Oh, it's got to be the drugs," because didn't didn't you have some instances before where you were on the medications and it just you had flares? That's exactly right. I mean, unfortunately, the doctors I feel are ten years behind what Crohn's disease patients are in regards to knowing what foods affect us and what foods don't. Uh, like everyone's different. Certain foods affect different people. Um, however, if I stick to my medications and go down and have fast food every day, I'll be back in hospital having my bowel removed for sure. So um, all you have to do is speak to someone with bowel disease and you'll know that food plays a massive, massive role sure, regardless but of what the doctors say. No, yes, absolutely. Um, and vice versa, um, you know, Crohn's is such a fulminant type condition that it would be extremely irresponsible for somebody to just say, I'm not having pharmacological medicines, I'm going to do it all quote unquote naturally. It just wouldn't, wouldn't mm -hmm. happen, correct? You need those medicines. Oh, totally. I mean, I was like that for quite a while, um, especially while I was going through all this, uh, all these surgeries. I because I was halfway through my degree, I was so convinced that I could do it all myself and heal my body naturally and heal the perforation. And, you know, though that stubbornness quite quite literally nearly cost me my life. Mm. And um, I do believe, for me, that I need both both sides of um, both sides of medicine. And, and why wouldn't you take um, take advantage of both sides of medicine? You know. Mm. I, I, I think it'd be silly not to. I, I'll always remember Olivia Newton-John's, uh, the way that she expressed it. She expressed it east versus west. Now, she didn't mean that. That was just the words she chose. So west was Western yeah. pharmacological medicine. East was alternative complementary medicine. And she said, why can't I have both? That's the integrative medicine approach. Um, totally. Yeah. Do you take any supplements? And if so, what effect do you have? Do you think they have in, in soothing the symptoms of your Crohn's? And I guess, again, are they measurable? Can you, if you took a, a supplement for a little while and then stopped it, can you see a discernible difference? I mean, 
in my life, supplements are so important, um, especially in managing um, the inflammatory perspective. And for sure, they're definitely measurable. I mean, I've tried lots of different um, natural medicines, liquid herbs, um, lots of different things. And I've noticed only like not within myself, not just within myself, but um, on the sheets of paper from the blood test, you know, the CRP levels are dropped, you know, I feel amazing. I have more energy. I'm in less pain. It's it's definitely measurable for sure. Um, so I take um, high quality curcumin, yep. uh, fish oils, slippery elm, glutamine, all that all that gut healing, gut healing good stuff. Hmm. Um, probably the most important supplement that I take um, are probiotics. Always has to be a broad spectrum, high dose, 500 billion count probiotic if I can. Mm. Um, and I've known this for quite a long time that bacteria massively plays a role in my disease. Um, I also eat a lot of fermented foods. I make my own kombucha. It's, I know for sure that that gut bacteria balance is the epitome of good health and bad health when it comes to bowel disease. When you're talking about fermentable foods, you know, like yeah. you know, the most obvious ones spoken about are things like sauerkraut, miso. When you're talking about something like kombucha, you'd have to be very careful in how you make it. Would it would it be the training in natural medicine that you've had that allowed you to do that in a safe and appropriate way, rather than you know, like some of these cowboys where they've got no idea about hygiene? Um, yes, to some extent, I definitely have an understanding in the different bacteria and yeasts and how they work within the gut. Um, I also work in a health food store, so I do have an understanding of um, the different hygiene practices and cleanliness standards that go into making a product like this. So um, cross-contamination is definitely very, very important and just keeping everything nice and clean um, is also massively important too. So, Megan, obviously this is your experience and it may not be relevant for all Crohn's sufferers, but can I ask you, what lessons have you learnt from some mistakes that you might have made? Well, Andrew, my mistakes have quite nearly cost me my life. Um, for a long time, I didn't take advice from my specialist. I was so, so stubborn. I thought I knew better. Um, I was learning at uni. I had my head in textbooks. I honestly thought that I could heal myself naturally. Um, even while I was lying in hospital bed um, with a perforated bowel, I was still emailing, emailing all my lecturers asking me, um, sorry, asking them, you know, what can I do? What can I do to heal this perforation? What can I take? What diet do I do? What juices do I do? You know, um, and I was getting a lot of mixed feedback, take this vitamin, take this. Um, but my herbal medicine teacher, um, Justin Sinclair, is phenomenal. Uh, he was, he was the man. one who actually <laughs> is it he? Um, he was the one who actually sort of stopped me in my tracks and said, Listen, Megan, there's things that natural medicine can do and there's things that it simply can't do and I think you're going to have to hand yourself over to the surgeons for this one and that that comment to me it it stopped me in my tracks and it it woke me up and I totally thank him for that because otherwise I, I don't know where I'd be I'd still be that stubborn little girl or 
might not even be alive actually. But mm. um, in in regards to food mistakes, my gosh, I, I had a chronic sugar addiction um, a few years back, which fueled my disease, fueled the progression of my disease, and I had no idea um, what was hurting me and what wasn't. Like I grew up eating how all my friends ate and doing what all my friends did and I didn't know any better and I took antibiotics when I was had a, had a bit of a cold or a flu and um, I didn't know what a probiotic was. I didn't know fermented foods. I didn't, you know, I didn't think stress affected me in that way, but it, it so does and, and, you know, those, I wouldn't call them mistakes, but they're definitely learning, um, have brought me where I am today and, I mean, that sugar addiction, that fueled it massively, um, refined foods. I ate, a, I ate a pretty terrible diet when I was younger. Um, and, yeah, those those mistakes have definitely helped me now and, um, yeah, brought me where I am today and completely changed my diet upside down. And In, Indeed, they've, they've changed your life totally. And I've got to say, Megan, she, my life. I really – pay you homage. You're an extremely courageous and vivacious young lady. And um, oh, I'd like to you. I'd like to give a shout out to Justin Sinclair. Thank you so much for saving this girl's life. <laughs> um, I must say though, it's, it's, my journey with Crohn's hasn't been all negative. It hasn't been completely negative. You know, in some weird, insane way, I'm grateful for having the disease. I know most people would think I'm absolutely insane, but you know, looking back, if I didn't have Crohn's, I'd still be the way I was. I'd still eat the way I was. I'd, excuse me, I'd still be surrounded with people who weren't supporting, you know, having Crohn's and going through what I've been through. It's it's woken me up to a whole different way of living. It's woken me up to a whole different career, to friends, to family. It's brought me so much closer to my family. Um <clears throat> And just really having a whole other perspective on life, you know, um, seeing things in a more positive and brighter light and I can never be more thankful for that really. So in some ways, you know, it, it stays to me as well. Here, here, Megan. And I'd just like to point out that, that, you know, I think the responsible thing to do is people with Crohn's have got a very serious disease, no matter what stage it's at, whether whether it be indolent or whether it be active. And it is totally irresponsible to stop your medicines without the specialist stopping them. Um, I don't think any practitioner should be taking control of that apart from that specialist. Um, however, on the converse side, I also think it's rather short-sighted to think that diet doesn't play a part. <laughs> you know, there's evidence Definitely. on there's evidence on probiotics, or at least preliminary evidence on high dose broad spectrum probiotics. Um, uh, the I think the evidence is uh, on maintenance. Uh, uh, sorry, for, forgive me. Um, um, prevention of recurrence of pouchitis with Crohn's disease. Um, but I do believe that probiotics have certainly a part to play. And only further research will uncover this. The last thing, we're not sort of going to go into it, but you and I have spoken about this, um, and that is um, um, fecal transplants. And I think yeah. that is something that will just, the future is bright for this sort of intervention, medical intervention. And um, for anybody who might have Crohn's, I'll, I'll just give her a sort of shout out if you like, I use that term too often now, um, to mm. the Centre for Digestive Diseases in Five Dock in Sydney. 
So, Megan, your Crohn's, you say it was sort of a blessing in some weird way, and one of that weird ways was dream kicks. Tell me yeah, about that's this. It. What is it? What happened? Um, well, I spent a lot of time in hospitals myself when I was younger, um, and I have a bit of an artistic side, so um, I love to pick up a paintbrush and um, basically, I, I met this gentleman, um, his name's Scotty Gregory. I met him at a, a launch party for a company and he's a, he's a stunt performer, stunt man. I was doing some artwork at this party, painting a surfboard and um, had the whole crowd around me watching me and he was at the party lighting himself on fire and jumping off the roof. Um, for Just for kicks? <laughs> Just for kicks. It was quite hectic. But um, yeah, we, we met and we got talking and... Um, we just shared a passion for, for wanting to help people and wanting to do something a little bit different. And we kept in contact and, um, yeah, we've come together and started this awesome, awesome initiative. It's called Dream Kicks. Yep. Um, so basic, basically what we do is we um, provide seriously sick children in hospital with their own pair of custom-painted Converse shoes. Yep. Um, it, it's quite awesome. So it's quite awesome. Um, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so Scotty, Scotty has his own. Um, he had his own charity called Donate for a Mate, and um, that he basically, being a stunt performer, he does crazy, weird, wonderful stunts. Oh yes, raising money for people in need. Um, he's 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 a whole character to himself. <laughs> um, but he's he's such a, a, a generous, loving, giving man, and together we've produced this awesome project, Dream Kicks, and honestly, it's one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. So, yeah. So, practically, how do you get these Converse boots? And who, if it's a charity, it's, it's no offence, but it's little old Megan. How do you get the boots? How do you get them over to you? How do you get the paints? How do you get permission to visit the hospitals, to visit these sick kids? What happens? So... I handle the art side to the charity, um, and Scotty, he's he's the man with all the connections. So he has um, brought Converse on board. They sponsor all of our shoes. They are absolutely phenomenal. Um, we basically tell them what size shoe they need, and they send it straight to us. The paint, they're all covered as well. Um, generous donations by Posca Pens. They provide all those for us. It's all happening. We have... Um, application forms that we send out to the families and they basically fill those out with the children's conditions, um, how long they've had it for, what they want their kicks to look like, their favourite cartoon characters, what superpowers they'd love to have. Um, and basically I send that application form to, to an artist, one of my artists, and um, they, they customise them up and they look absolutely fabulous. But how do these children find you? Um, at the moment, it's all been word of mouth, to be 100, 100% honest. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, so because we're slow, we're, we've been going about 12 months now, but we're slowly growing um, to what we can manage. Um, so basically, it's all been word of mouth. You know, we have a Facebook page that we have um, and we promote our shoes on there and the children that we're helping and someone will see that and they'll know of a child who needs um, their day brightened or a smile on their face and they'll they'll email us and it's all been rolling on from there. We've got about eight shoes in, in, in the works right now going. 
I've got to say, like, you're talking about growing slowly, but uh, just that slow sort of uh, groundswell has actually reached the ears of some quite famous people, right? One who visited near the Gold Coast recently. Uh, so, yeah, we were lucky enough to get in contact with Johnny Depp um, when he was on the coast filming parts of the Caribbean, and he was in full costume as Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I had painted up a pair of shoes for this little boy who lived in North Queensland um, and it had Captain Jack Sparrow's portrait on there and he happily signed it on, a signed his signature on there and wrote um, a nice little message to the child and oh, cool. oh, it was absolutely beautiful and we posted those off to the, to the kid and, and Jed absolutely loved them. He went ballistic. Um, wow. So we, yeah. And it got us some really good exposure too. Um, we had an, a few articles published in the local papers and, yeah, our, our charity just exploded from there, really. i got to say, you know, that when you get a celebrity on board, it sort of really widens your exposure a bit because they know what, what the the feeling is behind, you know, the charity then, what the, what the, what the charter is, if you like. Megan, tell me about the process you have to go through, though, to get into to hospitals to represent yourself in hospitals? Um, so basically it's all done via um, an application form. We Obviously there are certain protocols that need to be followed and not anyone can just walk straight into a hospital room and Absolutely. pick out a kid, will you? And yeah, it doesn't really work that, that, like that. So And the families, are, that's not always their first priority, you know, especially when they're dealing with it terminally ill child or someone a little boy that's very sick you know getting a pair of dream kicks isn't always their first priority and we and we understand that and we and we are very patient with that and we just um we send them an application form and whenever they can get it back to us with um what the child would like then we get a start um soon after that but in regards to um delivering shoes into hospitals normally we would just post them because we we don't have the means to be traveling all over the country but um i did a special delivery to two young boys last year um in melbourne um down in melbourne their children's hospital there and um the families knew we were coming and the hospitals were on board and um yeah it was awesome we went in there and visited little riley he had um he has chronic lung disease and his his face absolutely lit up when he put his shoes on and they had the wiggles on them and oh, he got up and they, they disconnected all of his tubes and he was running up and down the ward and he'd been there for eight months and the nurses said they'd never seen him with so much energy and it was honestly just filled my heart with so much love. It, it was just so rewarding. So, um, yeah, the hospitals have been really, really, um, really good and we've made a few contacts with some um, paediatric nurses within the ward so they can help us get the applications out um, a bit easier. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's, how, that's sort of how the process works. How can people find you? You have a Facebook page, you say? Yep. So um, we predominantly contact people through our Facebook page. You'll find us, um, we're called Dream Kicks, two words. Um, yep, just search us on Facebook and, yeah, we have a pretty active page and you can scroll through and see all the different children that we've helped and all the cool shoes that we've produced and um, massive massive thank you to our artists. We've probably got about 12, 12 artists now that um, paint, for, paint for us. So, 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's, well it's done so, to all of you, I've got to say. It's all happening. <laughs> so what about companies or people who wish to donate to Dream Kicks? How do they get in contact with you for that sort of purpose? Yeah, the Facebook page um, is one of the easier ways. If anyone would like to um, donate funds, um, they can head to the Donate for a Mate website. So that's donateforamate.com and you can donate any funds there. That would be massively appreciated. Um, as I said, our shoes and our paint costs are covered. However, our postage um, isn't. So each pair costs about $50 odd to send to and from the artist and then to the child. Um, and we also like to send some toys that the child would like um, if we have the funds for it, just to make that delivery a little bit extra special. So mm. we would great, greatly appreciate any, any funds or any services. If, if someone um, likes to do a bit of art and they'd love to jump on board, just shoot us a mes- message on our Facebook page and we can go from there. But, yeah, anything we would greatly, greatly appreciate. Megan, i got to say, I thank you so much for joining us today on FX Medicine. No, thank you. you, you but you, you've, like, you've really shown me something about courage in the face of adversity. Like, you, do, you don't just have courage and it's grit your teeth. You have courage with a beautiful, bright smile on your face and a, this <laughs> love, an absolute love for life that I, I just reckon is awesome. You, you're an incredible young lady. Well done. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Hi, this is Stacey the Baby Maker Robert, and I would like to invite you to join me this year in an industry first. I have put together more than a decade of my clinical experience into developing the first online mentoring program that deals with the ever-growing area of natural fertility. My Baby Maker Network Mentoring Program is an online interactive program where you will learn how to address all aspects of fertility issues. You will learn how to successfully navigate the most challenging cases and walk away with the knowledge that every specialist in the area of natural fertility must possess in order to feel confident and competent in the clinical setting. If you are ready to be a part of an atmosphere that helps you build your practice, while helping couples build their family, I look forward to getting to know you in the Baby Maker Mentoring Program. A special seminar price will be offered in February at the Going From Unexplained to Pregnant event, and the program itself will launch in March. Please go to bioceuticals.com.au and click on the Education tab for more information and to register. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today on FX Medicine, please engage with us and let us know what further topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in contact with us through our website, fxmedicine.com.au, or look for FX Medicine in your favourite social media platform. You can also rate and review us on iTunes, and we'd really like to thank those who have already rated us. It's through your continued support that enables us to bring you current, complex and relevant topics to enhance your practice of natural medicine.